Welcome to Voices of Experience. My name is Paul Casey, your host. Um, in this snowy day, looking to get even more snowy from what I just heard of the forecast over the weekend. So my advice, just slow down, everybody. I'll do the same. We have a great program today. Um, Eric's going to be talking to us remotely, and I'm talking about Eric Crema now because I guess there's a lot of snow in the Gig Harbor area, and so he's kind of marooned at home for today. And, of course, Eric Ryder is here in the studio again trying to hook him up because he's going to join us, but it'll be uh, via Zoom today, and this is the first yeah. time we've done this. And we've got him now. Eric is yeah. here. See you work uh, your magic. <laughs> Magic of technology. How are you both doing? Hey, great, Eric. What's the snow like out up there? So we had about uh, three, four inches uh, this morning. It's melted off pretty good. It's it's strange though. This one, it's it's you could go down five hundred feet and suddenly you know it's a lot less snow. You go up and it's snowing again. It's it's kind of crazy. Um, I was actually a little bit more worried about just all the traffic, you know, between oh. here and Bellevue. It uh, doesn't take much to make it a two-and-a-half, three-hour commute. So, Well, you made the right choice. I just, said some, I just said something about drive carefully, and if you're not driving at all, that's even more careful than you can possibly be. So good yeah. decision, good decision. Yeah. Uh, what are, who are you talking to today, Eric? So I have a great interview with Luke Miner. He's the director of WA 529. Any parent that has been sort of saving for their kids – college or trade school in this state probably is aware of this program and he'll go into great detail of how it works and why you know you as a parent grandparents uh, maybe a nephew or or, or a, a niece by or, or an aunt or an uncle i should say would want to help out a child as they save for college in increments so it's really an interesting program and there's lots to learn so that's what that interview is all about looking forward to hearing that later that sounds really good uh, I'll go into other segments today, the Voices in History segment today. This took place 23 years ago this week. Thousands of people from throughout the world descended upon Seattle for talks on trade. There were unintended consequences, and that became the story. Now, this saga was made into a movie, and uh, it was called A uh, Battle in Seattle. And uh, anyhow, we're going to talk about that today on, again, Voices in History. Uh, pretty interesting uh, segment today on that. Our timeless classics, a holiday classic from 1975, and it was uh, written and sung by Greg Lake. Also today, we have two features. One is Marty Casey. She is my wife. And she's also the president of the Doni Co. Pet Clinic. And that clinic provides veterinarian care for low income and for homeless individuals. And they've been doing that for almost 40 years. And Marty's going to talk about some subjects you just brought up yesterday about keeping your pets safe during the holidays. And there's a lot more to it than I thought, even though we have a dog. But uh, I read the list over and I said, we got to talk about this. And it's more than just, you know, your pet drinking the uh, water out of the tree, you know, and they do that now and then. So anyhow, she's going to be on just a few moments on that. Paula Young Shelton, she teamed up with her father, former U.S. Ambassador Andrew Young, and she wrote a book uh, directed to children 
and it was called, or is called, Just Like Jesse Owens. A fascinating book, again, directed to children about overcoming prejudice and thriving like Jesse Owens did in the 1936 Olympics in Nazi Germany. So uh, real briefly, just to give you an over-capulation uh, of uh, Voices of Experience, we talk to people with experience in public affairs, travel, fitness, education, entertainment, with an emphasis on entrepreneurship. So if you have any comments you'd like to make about the show, you can call 425-653-1166. If you agree with what you've heard or you just want to add something to what we talk about, that number again is 425-653-1166. Back with Marty in just a moment. Hello, Marty. Hello, Paul. Thank How are you for things? having me. Oh, you bet. How are things in West Seattle? It is snowing. It is. And yes, it's not as hard as it was a few minutes ago. But Will I have trouble getting home? It's a good day to be inside. Will I have trouble getting home? No, I don't think so. All right. Well, we'll, we'll deal with that uh <laughs> After the show. Anyhow, uh, Domini Co. Pet Clinic, Marty, I know you've been in this position as the director for a long time. We talk about it a lot. No secret there. But as I said, I think when I was looking over your list of things that people should be aware of with their pets over the holidays, I think it's a great subject, very timely. But first, tell us a little bit of history on the Domini Co. Pet Clinic. Well, Domini Co. Pet Clinic started, as you said, as um, in 1986, and it resulted from a gentleman, Dr. Domi, who saw pets of people that were homeless and wondered how they got care. We operate now two clinics a week and then a Saturday clinic twice a month, and we offer comprehensive veterinarian care. So that includes surgery when needed. It includes uh, mass removals. It includes when a pet is really sick. We will also take care of a pet of someone that doesn't have the income to afford veterinary care. We will also take care of them for the life of the animal, provided that they do utilize spay and neuter services. And so we don't further the overpopulation problem, which results in just some tragic um, consequences. So that is one of our criteria. Uh, We do everything we can to support that human-animal bond for vulnerable people that really benefit from it. Certainly. And I do think, and we've talked about this, it's such a great service, too, again, for the spay and neuter aspect of this, that it raises that awareness and certainly really helps out in limiting that population of dogs and unwanted cats. So that is really important part of what you do. So yeah, today we're going to be talking, much. oh, excuse me, Marty, go ahead. No, that's, I was just agreeing. All right, so today we're talking about toxic and poisonous foods. Let's start with that around, let's say, the dinner table or you're having guests over and things like that. Why don't you just expand on some of those, like, foods that you really have to be aware of? Yes, and I've, every time I look at a list that's offered in, I am very surprised by some of the things that are on there, and that's why I think everybody will be surprised. Um, First of all, make sure you keep that feast on the table because if 
a pet of yours does start to eat the turkey or too much fat, it can actually lead to pancreatitis, which is a very serious um, illness for humans and our pets. Um, So we want to make sure, and many of us have very resourceful animals, and they know how to go find a trash can or get up on a counter or do something to get that food. So make sure that you wrap everything securely, including the wrappings and the packaging that the product comes in, and make sure it's in a trash can that they absolutely cannot get to. You may think they can't get in it, but they're pretty resourceful. Um, The other couple of things that are really interesting, I think, is we think of raisins and grapes. Oh, those are so healthy for us. They're fruits and you know, we're all supposed to eat more fruits. Grapes and raisins can be toxic to animals. Um, it's hard to tell how toxic, just like humans, every animal reacts differently. And I want to say that right now, everybody that is has a pet knows that we are experiencing a real shortage of veterinarian care. There just aren't enough vets to take care of all of our pets. And no matter how much we're willing to pay even, we can't get that care. So it's really important this holiday season to make sure that you do everything you can so you don't need it. Um, you don't need the vet care because if you do need to find emergency services, they're very hard to get into right now. So um, make sure anything that could be dangerous is out of sight. Another thing that is very dangerous is xylitol. And that is an artificial sweetener that is in many, many, many gums, chewing gums, and not lifesavers, but, you know, hard candies. And that is also toxic to pets. So it can be deadly if it is consumed by dogs and cats. So if there's ever any chance they're going to find a piece of gum on the sidewalk, or if there's someone coming into your house during the holidays that has some and somehow they find it that is a very dangerous tip. yeah i had no idea on that one none mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the other thing is plants plants are things that we think as far as oh, there's so many of them and i won't go through the list because i know we don't have a lot of time here but we will have this list on our website at donico.org under events and news and that will be up by the end of the week um and one of the things i want to say is is that when a lot of people are coming into our homes, remember that it is our pet's home also, and um, many of us live in homes where the pet is at actually the alpha of all of us in the home and considers it their domain. It's very stressful for them. So think of all these new people coming in that they don't know. The person that they rely on might be a little stressed, trying to take care of everybody. The doors opening and closing. So it's, if they're stressed, it's easy to make a quick exit without you knowing what's going on. And all of a sudden, your pet is missing, which is every every pet parent knows that that is just a, a heart-sinking experience. A nightmare. It's never happened. Yes, it is a nightmare. And so also, prior to the time that I was able to get introduced to the joys of having a dog, um, I would be the one at a party that would go and say, if I saw a big dog there or a dog of any size and they were 
little skittish around me. I'd be the first one to offer something off of my plate. Well, I had no knowledge of what could be dangerous for pets, but I just thought, oh, he or he will like me when I give them this treat. And it worked very well, but I didn't know I could have given them something very dangerous. So if you're ever in a situation where your home is going to have a lot of people there at one time, have your pet go into their into a room that will be relatively removed and put a nice comfy blanket on and some nice music. Every once in a while, you can take a pet appropriate, a treat that was made especially for them. And at the end of the night, they will be healthy and happy and so glad to snuggle with you as you relax after a party. You know, I think that's a great point because how many places do you go, the dog's wandering around looking for scraps. Mm-hmm. And as you point out, this could be a very serious, uh, you know, cause the dog a lot of harm. Right. And the symptoms can be, you know, so many different symptoms. And again, it's just so hard to get emergency services these days that the pet may need emergency care and you can't find it without a, you know, a six, eight, ten hour wait. So. So very true. You know. We've seen that. We've experienced that ourselves. Yeah. And we also have a dog that is, um, quite honestly, a vacuum cleaner. Um, she will eat anything and everything with, and she's similar to so many other animals that. You're not talking about Sadie, are you? Our yes, dog, no, I, our dog would never do that. Do you believe anything and everything without any regard as to whether um, it is good for? And I do have to say one thing is chocolate. We all know that chocolate is very bad for dogs. But in our house, a dog does not have a chance to get any chocolate away from me. So That's for sure. Either I have trouble getting that, yeah. away chocolate from you. Yes, that is true. So how about poinsettias? Aren't they dangerous, too? I've heard that. They're particularly dangerous to cats. And, okay. But they will, they can make a dog very ill. There are so many plants that we don't think of. Amaryllis, which is that Christmas bulb plant. There's baby's breath, sweet william, some ferns, and then hydrangeas, which I never knew about. Um, then the other thing that's very dangerous is, you know, glass, that Christmas tree ornaments. So grab a Christmas tree ornament. We all have heard about the water. But the Christmas tree ornaments, they'll grab it and start to eat it. And or there's um, those corn cobs that, or little tiny cranberry balls that are, are red little beads. And any of those items that they eat, again, it is emergency surgery because it, some of those items can pierce their intestine. And that is um, a very dangerous situation. And what happens is after they've swallowed it, and it could be a while before you notice anything because if they swallow it and you think, oh, maybe they're working, working it through them. And, but it is actually being, you know, it's growing into the lining of their intestine. It, the item isn't growing, but the, the lining of the intestine is growing around it. And again, then that makes it very, very difficult to remove it. And it, it's, it's awful. We have had a couple of those situations at the Donico Clinic, and it's just heartbreaking for all of us. Well, good so, to hear, Marty. Uh, we're, no gonna, we're coming up in limited time here. 
I also see um, a bullet point you have here that you were just making the point that veterinarians may be hard to get over the holidays, harder than ever. I think that's a really good point for people to keep in mind. But you have a number but the from the ASPCA, a poison control hotline, at 888-426-4435, and a pet poison helpline, 855 764 Seven six six one. We'll try to get those numbers out again before we close today. But that would be a good source. Of course it is, because you have it on your seat. Yeah. And the ASPCA and also the AVMA, which is the American Veterinary Medical Association, they've provided a lot of this information, and they're a great resource for finding out what is you know, how to care for your pet, because there's so many different things that we can learn about taking better care of our animals. And we all want to do the best we can by them. Sure. Um, Contact information for people who want to find out more about the Doni Co. Pet Clinic. I'm going to put in a little um, plug here. Why not? Because uh, there's a lot of organizations asking for help with money, and, hey, the Donico Pet Clinic needs it as well. You've done pretty darn well with that. But, hey, you, you could really use some donations there. So could you provide us with some yes. information how we can and, do that? And to follow that up very quickly is that we believe in minimal infrastructure so we can do maximum healing. We want to put – we put every dollar. We don't have – a lot of employees were very minimal on the employees, and so we find that we're all jack of many trades. We have professional veterinarians. That's where there's no skimping, but all of the other marketing and fundraising, we do not have staff working on that because we want the pets to get the best care with state-of-the-art equipment that is will make sure that they get exactly what they need, fresh, new drugs directly from the manufacturer, and all of the latest technology. So that is expensive. And please, please go out and take a look at our website. And then you can feel free to contact me. I'm always happy to talk about Donico Pet Clinic, as you can probably tell by now. And my email address is marti at donico.org. And that's D-O-N-E-Y-C-O-E. Marty at donico.org. Okay, thank you. You know, we're going to have you on again because it's an incredible story about how this whole started and all the veterinarians who donate their time, the volunteers that you bring into the clinic every week, the kind of relationship with uh, One Health. That's all great stuff. So we're going to have you on again to talk about that. Thanks, Marty. Great. Thank you. All right. Thank you for having me. You bet. We'll talk to you later. All right. So where are we at now? We are going to move in to Eric Crema. I can see him. This is kind of cool. Look at this. You know? All right. I didn't know I'd have the ability to see you you. over there. So uh, here you are. This isn't so bad. Um, Eric, so we're going to be talking today. Why don't you introduce it again? Yeah, so this is an interview I had with Luke Miner. He's the director of WA 529. A lot of people have heard it as the GET. G-E-T program. Um, It's a really popular program for parents uh, who are looking to save 
for their children's education, certainly down the road. And it's kind of unique in that it's transferable amongst a few states. It can be used in a lot of different ways. And even and if it goes unused by the particular prospective student, then someone else in the family can sort of take up the charge and use it in their education. So very flexible. Um, and essentially what you're doing is you're buying education at today's rates, but you're using it at a future date. And it's done over time. So I don't want to spoil too much of it, give it too much information, but this is the interview with Luke Miner. And welcome to today's Spotlight on Success. I'm Eric Creeman. I'm speaking with Luke Miner. He's WA529, WA529 Director. We've talked with Luke in the past and really love having him come back because I think this is a great program that people need to know about, particularly those with children in the household. So with that, I do want to welcome Luke to the show. How are you doing, Luke? Oh, doing great, Eric. Thanks so much for having me on. You got it. Again, appreciate talking with you. Um, what are some new things that are going on over there with Wall 529? Yeah, so we just opened for our 20, I believe it's our 24th enrollment period for the GET program. That's our prepaid tuition program that helps wow. money uh, families put money away when their children are young uh, to save for future higher education costs. And we also, a couple of years ago, opened a new program called the Dream Ahead College Investment Plan, which provides another set of options for Washington families to save for future college expenses. Well, there's no doubt that uh, college expense, as it's a national topic that's been talked about at great length over the last year, year and a half. And of course, it affects families right here in Washington. I think we've talked in the past about the great work that GET WA 529, all of that, what happens and, and how it helps families. But for those who are unfamiliar, maybe they're hearing these things for the first time. Can you can you begin at the beginning, so to speak? Let's say I have a niece or nephew that I would love to help go to college, or I have my own child who's you know uh, an infant at this point, and I'm thinking, how am I going to afford college with everything I've been reading and hearing? So maybe take it from there, and, and we'll go go from there on the conversation. Great. Sounds good. So for a quick background, the GET program, uh, again, is a prepaid tuition program, and it's been around since 1998, and it's helped tens of thousands of uh, families pay for college expenses for students. We're talking over a billion dollars that have gone in and out our door to help families save and pay for those uh, higher education costs. So if a family wants to get started with our programs, all they have to do is go to our website, do a little research, and then decide how much money they want to be putting away on a regular basis. And it, the goal is to chip away at it over time. The families who have most success don't get overwhelmed by that price tag that we know. We know college is expensive, right? Mm -hmm. But we also know that most families will rely on a variety of ways to pay for a college expense. So we encourage families not to get discouraged by that price tag. Do what you can today, even if it's very small amounts, you know, $25, $50 here and there. If you make regular efforts and do that over time, so that'll all add up to make a dent in that college bill that will ultimately reduce the need for taking on loan debt, student loan debt in the future. Well, it's just like an investing in a sense in your retirement. You know, it's it's monies that can be taken out monthly, it sounds like, uh, or is it per paycheck is, is how it would work. Yeah, it's really flexible. You can, uh, we even do payroll deductions, so you can have it directly linked to uh, direct deposit from your paycheck. You could link your bank account and do a monthly withdrawal, or you could just 
put money down as it comes available. Say if you had a windfall, uh, you know, an inheritance, or let's talk about, you know, the holidays. We're in the holiday mm-hmm. season right now, and this is a perfect time to get the family involved, ask grandma and grandpa, aunts and uncles and friends to contribute to your child's college savings. So we we call that the, you know, the idea of crowdfunding, just like you might crowdfund a variety of other things. It takes, they say it takes a village to raise a child. So why not have the family rally around the child to pay for their future higher education? I think that's a great idea. I look back at all those years with my own daughter, who's now 31, um, all those years, holidays, birthdays, uh, family reunions and things like that, where family could have said, you know, instead of giving you this little toy or, you know, this little gift, I'm going to put $50 towards your education or $100 towards your education, whatever that number is. And it, and it just continues to grow. Now, those monies, though, so are you able to sort of l- watch the progress of, you know, can you go to the website and log on and that sort of thing? Do you have an account, I guess is what I'm asking? Definitely, yes. When you enroll in either the GET program or the Dream Ahead program, you go online and you do set up an account. It takes 10 to 15 minutes to get that all set up and to get your bank accounts connected if you want to make those regular contributions. And yeah, as you add money over time and it grows over time, you can check in on the balances of those. Now, we didn't talk about how GET and Dream Ahead work. So I I did mention that GET's prepaid tuition. So essentially, Mm -hmm. you are buying future tuition in advance at today's prices. So that's a phenomenal value for families who may not be sending a child to school, you know, 10, 15, 18 years from now. So you have all that time and it's a hedge against tuition inflation. And so what you're buying are tuition units. Now, DreamHead, on the other hand, is more like the options you'd see in a four, uh, 401k retirement plan. I it's see. investment-based options and you just keep adding and you can choose the portfolios that you want to invest in, whether you're risk averse or you want to be much more aggressive and potentially get higher returns. There's a, a variety of options available to any family who wants to save for, for higher education in, in the state of Washington. Well, Luke, I did ask you prior to the interview, you know, where can people go to learn more information? You told me that we should we should have them all go to 529, that's 5, the number is 529.wa.gov. So 529.wa.gov. Real simple. Is that correct? Did I get it right? <laughs> that's right. 529.wa.gov. Right, awesome. It has great information on both programs, how to enroll. And like I said, it takes about 10 to 15 minutes to get started. My concern would be as I get involved in either one of these programs is, okay, we don't really know the future. Yeah, I know that I'm saving money because I'm I'm buying, in a sense, credits with the GET program earlier than what the cost is down the road. But what, okay, let's say my child or the person that I'm helping save, they don't go to college what, or the, you know, the higher learning. What, what do you do then? Does that money just evaporate? Well, the first thing that's a a common misconception about these plans, especially GET, since it's tied to uh, tuition in our state, is that you can only use it for four-year college, four-year university. But that's there's a whole variety of after high school learning that you can apply these funds towards. We're talking, you know, community college, technical school, trade school, even uh, apprenticeship programs of expenses associated with that. You can apply funds from GET or Dream Ahead to that. So. Most students to get into the career field they're looking for will need some form of higher education. Uh, so the good, the first thing is parents should wait and see what path their child takes. Often they can use those funds to fund those experiences. If for some reason they don't use them or they get a scholarship that is a full ride, which is not very common, by the way, but if it was a full ride scholarship and they don't need the funds, they can transfer it to a sibling and you preserve those tax benefits and ultimately, if a family can't find a way to use them for higher education, it's still money you've saved. 
that's grown over time and you have access to that money. But uh, these 529 plans, what Get and DreamerHead are known as, are tax advantage. You get the maximum benefit when you use it for higher education costs. And that means all the growth in your account is tax-free. Now, if you don't use it for those expenses, you would be taxed on those amounts. That's what you're losing out on. But it's money you've saved and it's still there. It's safe and secure. It's not going to go away because the child isn't able to attend, but you always get the maximum value. And we encourage families to figure out a way to use it for any of those higher education costs that go beyond just your kind of standard perception of college. I like that because I think more and more students are looking beyond universities for your college. There's still that many, of course, want that experience to want to go do that, or it's demand, you know, they, 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 whatever their, um, uh, whatever their course of study is, it's it needs to be in those institutions. But there are people that look at other things like trade, uh, trade situations where they can learn learn a, a trade skill, uh, or maybe a shortened course, um, maybe a you know a, a medical assistant, things like that. So that's wonderful to know it has that flexibility. As you put the money in, you're able to see you know you're able to see your advancement. You're able to see what's happening in the account, which is great. Uh, but let's say that uh, I don't have an infant in my house. Uh, actually, my child is now 12 years old. Does it still make sense to look at this? It, it really does. It's We say it's never too early to start saving, but it's also never too late. Any amount that you can save now, even if you get a late start and can only save enough to cover textbooks, that's that will make an impact for a student. And it will, again, mean less you have to borrow down the road. The reality is most families rely on a combination of uh, tools to pay for college uh, experience, including for many families, financial aid, which the agency I work for also administers. So we always encourage families to do the financial aid application, regardless of whether you think you qualify or not. And just do what you can on the college savings front, even if you get a late start, because again, it's not going to hurt you on the financial aid side. And it's certainly going to make an impact on the reducing the need for student loans in the future. Well, Luke, thanks so much for joining us on today's Spotlight on Success, helping to get the word out. I'll just direct our audience again to the website, 529.wa.gov. That's 529.wa.gov to learn more. Luke, we've had you on this show a couple of times in years past. It's because you're a great guest. Thank you for the hard work you're doing for students, current students, and future students right here in the state of Washington. Well, thank you, Eric, and really appreciate you helping us get the word out and helping more families start saving for those uh, important future expenses. Sounds great. That was Luke Miner, WA529 Director, talking about the very programs you can find on their website, 529.wa.gov. Join us next week for another edition of Spotlight on Success. There are two outs in the bottom of the ninth. Base is loaded. The Seattle Mariners trail the L.A. Dodgers by three runs in Game 7 of the World Series. Who would you rather see step up to the plate? Mitch Hanniger or a promising but yet untested player just called up from the minors? If Mitch Hanniger is your choice, that means experience is important to you. That's what Voices of Experience with Paul Casey is all about. People with experience in their chosen fields. Topics explored including public affairs, self-employment, travel, health and fitness, history, and Adventure. Welcome to this edition to Voices of Experience. My name is Paul Casey. Voices of Experience is simulcast on AM 880 KIXI and 1150 AM KKNW on Wednesdays at 3 p.m. Voices of Experience is also rebroadcast on Kixie Sunday mornings at 11 a.m. Visit VoicesOfExperience.com and take a five-minute self-employment quiz. The higher you score on the quiz, the higher your prospects for success. That's VoicesOfExperience.com. 
Welcome back to Voices of Experience. My name is Paul Casey, and we have Eric Crema coming to you today remotely. So uh, yeah, via, via Zoom. Yeah, via Zoom. It's great. I mean, the sound of it's really, really wonderful. So awesome. um, let's get to Voices in History, this segment today. I've got several. Uh, first of all, I wanted to start with um, some local uh, kind of information to share. On November 28, 1999, the WTO conference started in Seattle. Events proceeding were peaceful in the beginning until November 28th when a scattering of demonstrations began. But on November 30th, all hell broke loose. Protesters began smashing downtown windows, lighting fires in the streets. It was a complete debacle. What was intended by local officials to be a showcase event that Seattle had joined the big leagues and the ranks of the becoming an international city turned into a nightmare. A lot of finger-pointing ensued, and also a movie based on the uprising called Battle in Seattle was released in 2007. It uh, starred Charlize Theron, Woody Harrelson, and the late Ray Liotta. Hmm. He played the role of mayor, and uh, Paul Schell was the mayor at the time. You were going to say something, Eric? I was just going to say, uh, I didn't know they made a movie. Great name, by the way, Battle in Seattle, perfectly fitting. I remember back to, though, seeing the uh, news clips of, of it happening. And, and it, at least for me, that was the first time I'd seen anything like that in our city. I can't remember anything prior. I don't think Maybe... anything ever happened like that in the city's mm-hmm. history. Yeah. I mean, and it now was... it's becoming somewhat commonplace over various issues. You know, it could do True dissolve into that. Not quite as large, but things like that happen. I just think that people were just mystified. They, no one saw this coming, but maybe mm-hmm. they should have. And I think that was a local debate, a finger pointing that the WTO right. and their protesters when they had it in Europe and so on, but we were going to do it here and show them how it's done. But uh, Well, anyway. I guess in a way we did then become that not so sleepy city. You That's know, very it's, true. You entered the big leagues. It, it was uh, all over the Planet for about two yeah. weeks. Yeah. On November 29th, night, excuse me, on November 29th, 1881, Spokane Falls was incorporated. Ten years later, after a great fire, a new charter was adopted. And when they did that, they shortened the name to Spokane. I never knew that Spokane was yeah. called Spokane. I mean, I've heard Spokane Falls, but I never knew that was the original name of the city. Uh, Let's see, on December 1st, 1955, in Montgomery, Alabama, Rosa Parks is jailed for refusing to give up her seat on a public bus to a white man. This was a violation of the city's racial segregation laws. A young black minister by the name of Martin Luther King called for a boycott of the bus system. Rosa Parks was sent to jail. After the arrest, the NAACP called for a boycott of the bus system. This is how boycotts can be effective. I mean, so effective. The boycott lasted for more than a year. And since African Americans made up 70% of the system's ridership, it resulted in a huge financial hit for the municipal municipal transit system. They were going to pull back on this requirement of African Americans sitting in the back of the bus. But at that very same time, On September 13, 1956, the U.S. Supreme Court struck down the segregated laws, and by the next day, the transit system was integrated. I think it's a great story of really getting involved 
Absolutely. On December 2nd, 1954, the U.S. Senate voted 65 to 22 to condemn Senator Joe McCarthy for his poor conduct not becoming to a U.S. Senator. Just a little bit of history here. When McCarthy was an obscure Republican senator from Wisconsin, he announced in his speech that he had in his possession a list of 205 communists who infiltrated the U.S. uh, State Department. Unsubstantiated, unsubstantiated claims, but it was just a big publicity stunt, and uh, the national spotlight was on him, and it was all a big lie. Sound familiar? Well, I will <laughs> leave it at there. Um, but anyhow, what happened was there was a final hearing on June 9, 1954, when a U.S. attorney, special attorney, Joseph Welch, responded to McCarthy after he attacked a member of his law firm. He faced the senator tearfully and said, Senator, I think I've never gauged fully your cruelty or your recklessness until now. Let us not assassinate this lad any further, Senator. You have done enough. You have no sense of decency, sir. At long last, you have no sense of decency. The crowded hearing room then burst into applause The Senate voted again to condemn McCarthy for his conduct, and McCarthyism came to a screeching halt. That's it for today, Voices in History. Any history on that? Anybody? Well, I just want to say that was real powerful, each and every one that you talked about there. Um, That was a great, great segment. Good. Well, I enjoyed it very much, too, and I hope the audience did as well. And by the way, this comes from the History Channel. Um, They have... This, you just need to go this day in history, and you can find all this. It is a wealth of information. And the other information I got more locally was from historylink.org. That's so, great. That's great. No, I, I really enjoyed it. And and also, what is the phone number people can call if they'd like to, uh, you know, give comments or suggestions for the program? Uh, that's a good idea. Uh, 425-653-1166. 425-653-1166. Six five three eleven sixty six, and they can give comments on anything they hear today. Absolutely. All right, so I wanted to talk about uh, self-employment today, and we'll have to keep this one pretty short because we are coming up on time here. And um, I wrote about myths about going into business for yourself. And this is one of the myths that I observed over the years. It's a little bit uh, hard to grasp. I understand that. But anyhow, my belief is that many businesses fail I mean, because they have too much money in the beginning. The prevailing attitude is that you have to be well capitalized. You have to have a lot of money going in. Hey, I'm not going to argue with that because, yes, if your grandfather wants to give you a million dollars to go into business for yourself, hey, have at it. But believe me, the more money you get, the more you're going to blow through it. I'm talking about the ones who are on a marginal type of business. Someone infuses some cash, but you're not as organized and focused, and you don't watch every penny as much as you do. And I've talked to myself about this before, and I've talked to other people in business, and they said, actually, it is a blessing that I didn't have all this money because you're going to make numerous mistakes in the beginning. No doubt about it. But if you're holding your business close to the vest, those type of setbacks are minimalized out of catastrophic 
the mistakes you may make that you just can't come back from. So that's kind of what I'm suggesting there. And um, I just think keeping your overhead as low as possible is absolutely essential. So that's kind of what I'm suggesting here. Anything uh, you have, Eric, on that? Any questions? Well, I just, it's so interesting because uh, I did have a small business for a while. And when I went into it, my, my own father-in-law pushed the point that, you know, you just need more capital. You have to be well capitalized. Otherwise it's going to fail. And, you know, and it really concerned me. Um, now, my particular business was small enough that I didn't, you know, it wasn't as if I had a large location or needed to buy a, a whole bunch of equipment or hire a ton of employees. And I get what you're saying now, Paul, <clears throat> and it's really interesting because it does force you to keep those purse strings tight and find workarounds, quite often doing it yourself. I know in your own business, there were many times you're 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 walking the pavement, right? You're you're oh no doubt about it. Like every month you're on the edge there. And I have to say that uh individual I went into business with, and I think I suggested last week you find someone who's about a ten or fifteen years ahead of you in business and they're mm-hmm. successful. You follow their footsteps. I did that with Larry Kaufman, the late Larry Kaufman, Marketing Northwest. He taught me so much of what you can accomplish on your own that you don't hire a whole bunch of people to do a lot of the things that you can actually accomplish. You can just do a lot more than you think you can. And sometimes I thought he was crazy. But then I realized I got into the rhythm. Now, I'll asterisk and say that this is the way I conducted my business. I think if you are in business for three to five years and you have something you're operating, you can bring in other people. I mean, right. then you're at the point, but you are the CEO, you're 100% in charge, and that you can then go on and bring people, but you will know every aspect of your business then, and you'll know exactly what you need and what you want, rather than just hiring a bunch of people. I could go into a story that an per- individual who started a business almost the exact time that I did, and did that, and was gone in six months. Um, so That's, that's what, what I was going to say. Yeah, I... You hear it all the time where, say, a CEO will come come into a company from a completely different industry. Sometimes it works because they give it fresh perspective. Other times it doesn't work because they don't know from the ground up that particular business. They never lived it. They didn't have the sweat equity, in, if you will, in it. And, and so then they come in and make changes that are nonsensical to that industry. It's kind of interesting. Right. Just more. Every time you bring someone in, a couple of people in, um, you're also slowing things down, decisions and bureaucracy. Anyhow, I could go on this all the time, but uh, that is my advice for today. And um, let's see, we're going to be moving on to an interview I had uh, with someone who wrote a book about, a child's book, about the Olympics of 1936. And she is the daughter of the former ambassador to the UN, Andrew Young. And this is a very interesting interview. You just received some startling news. You're going to need brain surgery. But the doctor also says your prospects for total recovery are excellent. The doctor is very confident with his prognosis. He's performed hundreds of similar surgeries during his career. Who would you choose, this doctor or another doctor who's never performed this type of surgery? If the doctor who's performed similar surgeries is your choice, then experience is important to you. That's what Voices of Experience with Paul Casey is all about. People with experience in their chosen fields. Topics explored including public affairs, self-employment, travel, health and fitness, history, and adventure. 
Welcome to this edition to Voices of Experience. My name is Paul Casey. Voices of Experience is simulcast on AM 880 KIXI and 1150 AM KKNW on Wednesdays at 3 p.m. Voices of Experience is also rebroadcast on Kixie Sunday mornings at 11 a.m. Visit VoicesOfExperience.com and take a five-minute self-employment quiz. The higher you score on the quiz, the higher your prospects for success. That's VoicesOfExperience.com. Andrew Young, civil rights icon, former mayor of Atlanta, congressman, and ambassador to the United Nations, and his daughter, Paula Young Shelton, an early childhood educator and author, teamed up together to deliver an oral history about a very special day in Andrew Young's childhood that changed his life forever. The result is a book called Just Like Jesse Owens, written for children ages 6 to 8. Now, as a boy, when a local chapter of the Nazi Party instigated racial unrest in their hometown of New Orleans in the 1930s, Andrew's father told him that when dealing with the sickness of racism, don't get mad, get smart. To drive home the idea, Andrew Young Sr. took his family to the local movie house to see a newsreel of track star Jesse Owens racing toward Olympic gold. The lesson focus on the finish line. Jesse showed that working harder and smarter was better than fighting. My conversation with Paula Young Shelton. Jesse Owens obviously is about the book that you've written, just like Jesse Owens. From what I understand, your father's father and your father really used Jesse Owens as somebody to teach you and other people that they've had influence throughout the world. And kind of just a brief backdrop is that uh, Jesse Owens, of course, uh, was in the 1936 Olympics. And uh, at that time, he uh, was actually Hitler was trying to showcase the superiority of the Aryan nations. Jesse Owens had other ideas. Can you tell us about that? (laughs) Right. So this is a story from my dad's childhood. And when he went to his father to ask him about racism, my grandfather's response was to take him to see Jesse Owens run in the Olympics. They would show it at the theaters on the movie reel tones. And um, so they went to a segregated theater to see Jesse Owens win four gold medals in front of a white supremacist. And basically my grandfather's message is racism is a sickness and you deal with it by proving them wrong. And so you want to pass this on to other generations, and that's why this book, just like Jesse Owens, it is directed towards children, correct? It is for young children, and it's a way to spark conversations about racism and also to help children to learn that it doesn't matter what other people think about you, that it's important for you to pursue your goals and focus on what you want to accomplish, just like Jesse Owens. So, and one of the messages in in the book, and and what your grandfather and father have had to say, that live by, don't get mad, get smart. Not get even, but get smart. That was kind of something that they passed on. Could you elaborate on that some? Sure. You know, my dad grew up in a segregated, uh, very diverse community in New Orleans. And he was, you know, a scrawny little kid, and my grandfather knew he wasn't going to be able to fight his way out of every conflict. So he taught him to respect people and to talk to them and to listen. And 
those are the lessons that have really guided my father through his 90 years on the planet, that you have to listen to other people and be able to share your ideas with them in order to bring about change. Is that easier said than done? It had to take incredible discipline and focus to be able to do that. Were there moments, I'm sure, I mean, he was very close to Dr. Martin Luther King and his assassination, that he wavered on that some? I'm sure he felt challenged with standing by those beliefs, but he has stuck by that. And, you know, even when he was marching and beaten for expressing his civil rights, um, he did not turn to violence. And he learned that, you know, you have to just keep moving on and you can't get caught up in this physical fight because that's not going to accomplish anything. And, you know, we really have to learn to work together to make this place a better place. Have you seen a lot of like your father's effort and, of course, your efforts as well, making a difference in, in the community? I mean, I certainly think it has, but what do you think? Uh, where have there been advancements made and what else, an obvious question, remains to be done? Oh, well, there's, um, there's still plenty to do, but I think that absolutely my father's work and the work of so many others has been instrumental in getting us to the place that we are today. I mean, I, it is discouraging to think that, you know, my, my father marched for voting rights and we're still trying to reclaim full voting rights for everyone and, um, and equality and opportunity for all people. But I think we have a much better platform now. We have more people in positions of power who are fighting for this same cause. And, and we have a greater voice, and we've got to use it to bring about change. Yeah, we can thank your father's efforts and certainly Martin Luther King for that and many others, as you say, uh, who are involved Absolutely. in that effort. I, I think as far as my position in looking at it, it's just sorry to see all these efforts and the lives that lost in the 60s and seeing those efforts trying to be peeled back and and taken away. And yeah. that's been a hard thing to watch. The 60s was a very difficult time, but we were headed in a good direction. Things were on the move and you right. had that. But now it's almost more difficult seeing people trying to remove those. Something my father pointed out is that we see a lot more of what is happening now with the, the advent of social media and, and 24-hour news cycles. We hear what's happening immediately. Um, you know, one thing he told me is that, you know, there were churches being bombed daily in Birmingham, and they didn't hear about it in Atlanta for months and months and months. But, you know, when George Floyd was killed, we knew instantly. And so somehow that makes things seem more immediate. But many of the issues are still the same, and we have absolutely made a lot of progress. And so we just have to continue to build on that progress and use the voices and the platform that we have now. Tell us more about yourself and this book. Just like Jesse Owens, what is your goal in this book to uh, impart on children? Well, I want to, you know, I'm, I'm a first grade teacher by training, and um, I always use books to introduce lessons and concepts. And I think this book, I love to see this as a, as a way to teach children that you have to pursue what's important to you, regardless of what others are saying about you or, or whether they're telling you you can do this or not. And you have to be true to yourself. And so 
embracing your cultural, your gender identity, and be proud of who you are and keep moving forward to achieve your goals. Yeah, I really enjoyed the uh, graphics in the book, the illustrations, and of course the story as well. And I think it really came across as, as very direct, and I like one of the passages in it. I believe it was that, or maybe I read it somewhere else about the book, is that Jesse Owens, one of the things he really stressed was focusing on that finish line. Exactly. Right. So you have to you know, keep your goal in mind, stay focused, um, and, and don't worry about what other people are saying about you. And um, I think that Jesse Owens was not only a tremendous athlete, but he had such strength of character that children can emulate. And so I think he's just a wonderful example of continuing to fight for what you want to see happen. Final question. What advice would you give young people who do want to make a difference? I think that, you know, it's important for children to understand young people that they have a voice and it is important for them to express their opinions, always being respectful and listening to adults, but not shying away from expressing your own opinion. You know, young people were at the heart of the civil rights movement. It was the Children's March in Birmingham that turned the tide. It was student activists that were in the sit-ins and the Freedom Rides. So we want to embrace this, these young people being activists and fighting for what they believe in and, and really support them. So I think children should just know they have a voice and they should express it. How is your father doing? He is doing great. We just celebrated his 90th birthday in March, and um, he told us he has about 10 more years of work ahead of him, so he's not slowing down yet. Well, good for him. Again, a great admiration for that man, and of course you. You're following up in his footsteps. Keep up the great work, and uh, appreciate what you've done for our country. Well, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure talking with you. You too. My thanks to Paula Young-Shelton. The book is called Just Like Jesse Owens by Ambassador Andrew Young, as told to Paula Young Shelton. All you need to do to find the book is Google Just Like Jesse Owens. Well, that's all the time we have for today. And uh, thank you to Marty Casey and, of course, Paula Shelton and everybody, Eric Crema, on the show today. Quote of the week, Christmas quote, What I don't like about office Christmas parties is looking for another job the next day. Phyllis Diller.